Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have Yvonne Orji. You may know her as Molly on the hit HBO series Insecure, but she's so much more. She's a podcast host, an author, a stand-up comedian, and is currently the host of HBO Max's latest reality series, My Mom, Your Dad. Coming up, I'll talk to Yvonne Orji about her faith, performance stand-up at MSG, and the lasting impact of Insecure. Up next, Yvonne Orji. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast, leave a five-star rating, who's been your favorite guest, what's your best last call, how about Gone in 60 Seconds, who would you like to see on the show? Who have you inspired by introducing them to this good old-fashioned soul food Goody Mob once taught us. This week's theme is great expectations. We should all be so lucky to have people in our lives who love and believe in us enough to have great expectations of who we will become. People who hold us accountable and don't let mediocrity fly. But there's always opportunity for conflict when their specific goals for our lives don't match our own. I wanted to go pro. I prayed about it. I practiced. I believed, but it meant everything that my late beloved mother, Jeannie Cassandra Rose, she believed that whatever I put my mind to, I could. That gave me confidence. That boosted me. But sometimes success looks very limited to certain people. They may think your dreams are unrealistic and your dreams may not match what they saw for you. That's when you have to say to yourself and the doubters, I know my path. I trust that the passion that's been placed in my heart is there for a reason, and I'm going to pursue it. Bruce Lee once said, I'm not in this world to live up to your expectations, and you're not in this world to live up to mine. Your dreams may not earn you a high salary, but true success is living in your purpose and doing the things you were put on this earth to accomplish. By trusting your dreams, Trusting the process and trusting God, you will find yourself in places you couldn't even have imagined. But you got to forge your own path. My next guest knows all about that. Yvonne Orji is a first generation American whose pursuit of a career in entertainment were initially at odds with the goals her parents set for her. Ultimately, she followed her heart and since has performed for a packed crowd at MSG, taped an HBO comedy special, and landed the breakout role of Molly 
on the hit series Insecure. And I'm sure her parents are very proud. Coming up, I talked to Yvonne Orji about her faith, performing stand-up in Madison Square Garden, and the lasting impact of Insecure. Up next, Yvonne Orji. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. You may know our next guest as Molly on the hit HBO series Insecure, but she is so much more. She's a podcast host, an author, a stand-up comedian, and is currently the host of HBO's Max's latest reality series, My Mom, Your Dad. It's my honor to welcome Yvonne Orgy to the show. Hey, well, thank you for having me, Jalen. This is this is fun. You doing this. Congratulations. I appreciate the love. So what was it like for you growing up in the D.C. metro area, and were you interested in acting at an early age? Okay, so y'all know the DMV is in the house representing no <laughs> Prince George's County, Pretty Girl County. Um, yeah, no, I I grew up very strict immigrant household. Um, I didn't even know entertainment was an option or a thing. I was focused on STEM, like science, mm. all of that stuff. And uh, I got my master's in public health before I even realized that entertainment was a possibility so you know i was bamboozled by jesus how about that so let's talk about that because as the founder of a school one of the frustrating things for me is that they've actually taken religion out of school and i think that that's something that the black community when i grew up we relied heavily on our religion it was something that i feel like carried me when i wasn't at home so talk to me about your upbringing and how your educational background and your immigrant, um, strict immigrant household helped nurture you to become the person that you are. Yeah, you know, I mean, I actually have two tattoos and one is about country and the other one is about faith. And, you know, those two things really did carry me. You know, my mom and dad both instilled a very strict work ethic. Um, my mom instilled kindness uh, as well, I remember her when she was a nurse at Howard University Hospital, and mm, she said, mm. "Treat everyone with kindness, because you don't know if you're entertaining angels without your knowledge." Mm, and you know mm. that really stuck with me, um, especially like now that you're in this industry, people are only looking for who can get them to the next level, and it's just like the assistant today is going to mm, be the executive mm. tomorrow. So treat everybody co kosher. Yeah, um, yeah. And then faith, you know, I got I became a born again uh, Christian freshman year of college so I was uh 17 I, when I got saved and I mean I, we were raised Catholic so he was always kind of there like God mm -hmm. and and faith was there but it wasn't until I got saved that I was like oh I got a relationship with this man mm -hmm. and the the principles like you said like that I learned in the Bible helped me throughout my life to just to have kind of an anchor to be like mm -hmm. okay well I know God gave me these dreams so I was like hey bruh it's mm -hmm. on you to see them to pass. <laughs> like, I, right, I, have, right. I have no idea. My parents, I can't go to mom and dad and be like, how do I make it in the industry? I, they <laughs> have are no idea. 
And so though, you know, just knowing that there was something bigger out there for me and there was also somebody who was desiring and wishing me to to succeed, it just it made just thrusting into faith faith the thing that made the most sense. I'm want to make sure I continue to ask about your education because so many young people underestimate that taking care of business while you're young, in particular in the classroom, can put you in position for all your goals to actually happen in the future. And if you don't take care of business in high school or the years that you could be in college, a lot of times that's where adults' dreams go awry during those eight years. So talk about what it was like for you while you were in high school and your journey to be educated. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny because, you know, I have American friends and, uh, you know, when they were just kind of like, I don't even know if I'm going to go to college. I was like, you have a choice? Like, I didn't even know that it was a choice. Like, my parents were just like, it was like after I graduated from high school, they were like, this is cute. I don't know what this means, but where are you going to college? Even after I graduated from college, they were like, so where are you going for grad school? It was, there was just never a, like, you're, you're, you're done. And I just I was so confused when I heard people just like kind of opt out. Um, because it was just not a it was not a reality for me, and it wasn't a reality that um, I think I was even privy to. Um, and I know I know a lot of people say you know you don't have to go to college, you don't have to, and they're right. There are a lot of people who don't have to, um, and some people just follow their passion and they succeed from that. I think uh, a lot of times, like my brother went to my mom put all of us actually into um, private boarding high schools, mm. and. Um, and my and that was also because she was like, I want to try to go to the best colleges. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of our pipeline. But I'll never forget, like, my brother went to a school where, like, he was friends with a sheikh from mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia. And, you know, and then another person, their father owned a hotel chain. So it's like, it's it, at that point, it's not even about the education. It's about right, the proximity right. to greatness, right? It's mm-hmm. like, we're here, we're, the playing field is level because we're all here. So we're all learning the same math, science, and English. Mm-hmm. But now I have access to somebody that I can be like, oh my God, I went to high school with the person who mm-hmm. is next in line for the kingdom, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right, and right. it's just like, that's nothing that you're getting experienced to on your block, mm-hmm. right? You have no idea. Um, And so for me, I think, you know, even college, uh, that was, it was part education and also part experiences. You know, when I went to boarding school, that was the first time that I was introduced to a play. And I was like, oh, I still didn't know that I wanted to be an actress, but my world was expanding. I was like, people really get paid to be on stage and say words? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Wow. And it was just exposure, but it was like, God prepared me. It was like in my subconscious at that point. So I was like okay, that's a thing. So then when I got introduced to entertainment, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get paid (laughs) to say words. Yeah. So being introduced to that play sparked something in you that you've made a career out of. So what was that early journey like? What was that play called? And what did you do after that? Well, that play was, it was called Annie. <laughs> it was Annie. <laughs> I, I, I went to boarding school in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. So it was mm-hmm. white productions mostly. Um, <laughs> but um, I think, so that was still high school. College, I definitely was still on track to being a doctor. And I think it was when organic chemistry told me like, girl, you might want to pick another major. And I was like, you right. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really, I wasn't really, 
I did okay in science and math. It just took me a longer time. I enjoyed reading books. I enjoyed, I wrote an extra 50 page term paper just for fun, for graduation, to graduate with honors. So it was definitely clear that like the social sciences were like my, my fun bread and butter, but the immigrant was just like, you got to do these hard sciences. And so after a while I realized like, wait, something, the math ain't mathing. Mm -hmm. And that was the hard decision to say, Hey, mom and dad, I'm not going to go to med school. But then I didn't know what else I was going to do. And, um, that's when God stepped in and I happened to enter like a beauty pageant. It was random, the most randomest (laughs) inception, because that's not like, that wasn't what I did. And they, they asked what my talent was. And I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't have one of those. I just make straight A's. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just make straight A's. Is that a talent? And how am I going to do that on stage? And they were like, well, no, I'm sorry, sis. Everybody who competes needs to have a talent. And so I remember praying and I was like, hey, fam, um, God, I need a, a solid. <laughs> Come through. It was a very simple prayer. And he basically told me to do comedy. And that was the first time I'd ever heard Holy Spirit say do comedy. So I'm I'm tripping out now because I'm like, well, what what that mean? Like I'm not funny. <laughs> so mm, this mm-hmm. is the problem. And he said, Well, what else do you have? And I said, oh, I, I got nothing else. He's like, Well, either you're gonna learn to trust me or you're not. And like that mm-hmm. was it. The phone line disconnected. He hung up. He went to talk to Peter and, and Joseph or somebody because it wasn't me. <laughs> and <laughs> and I remember being like, dang. I can't pray and go to Bible study and say I believe that God can do miracles or he will use me or whatever. And then when he's asking me to do something, I'm acting like that's too hard or that don't make no sense. So I'm not going to do that. So I was like, well, one of us is a liar. <laughs> and it ain't him. So I leaned into it and I had two weeks to prepare. People ended up laughing and the rest is history. And that's where I want to go because you started doing stand-up comedy at small clubs in New York. And we've had a couple of those comedians on on the show. Neil Brennan has been on the show. Ada Rodriguez has been on the show. But I I asked them this question, and they both gave me different responses. So I have to ask you, as a former athlete, I miss shots. I have turnovers. We lose games. I know what it should feel like when you're doing great on stage and you're getting the response that you want. But what is it like for you when you feel like you're bombing and how do you recover? Well, thankfully, I have never bombed. So mm, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is a straight lie. Um, No, I think God definitely set it up where the first few times that I did comedy, I was really good. So it was like it was a natural talent that was just innate in me. That I was like, I was almost scared because it was like, well, where the heck did this come from? Jesus, like, I ain't never used this, and so it was. It's kind of like you, you know, you making the you, you, you three point shots. You like, oh, buzzer beaters, like, ah, I'm popping, and then you then then came the day when I was like, I missed all the shots. I missed I missed mm-hmm. every last. So I was like, is, do I, is my Achilles hurting? What is what happened? <laughs> and uh, I remembered just crying and just being like, well, God, well, this is I'm tapping out. This 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 don't feel good. Like, why would anybody do this? And rejection was a big problem for me. You know, I, I grew up, I was bullied, and mm-hmm. so it was like I don't necessarily need to put my myself in the in the line of fire to be rejected as a grown up. And correct. I remember just be. I just remember being like, well, I'm good on this. But 
the problem was I was in too deep. God had already gotten me like tasting the promised land, right? He was mm-hmm, like, remember mm-hmm. when you had success and remember when people were laughing? And, mm-hmm. and But I just, I was so afraid. I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm, because I can't trust it because these people didn't laugh and they're the same jokes. And so what did I do different? And so it was really all, it was getting my focus off him and the promise and on me and my feelings. And I think when I, I stopped and was like, hey, mm, every day not going to be top shelf. It ain't going to be right, A1. Right. So yeah, yeah. get back in the game, like you would say, and, and mm-hmm. keep taking, make, keep making the shots. And that's what I did. And, you know, I eventually moved out to New York and, and then in L.A. And, and people still been laughing. I've mm-hmm. been fine. Yeah, <laughs> Two HBO yeah. specials later, we're okay. Absolutely. Get it. And I, and I admire that perseverance and that work ethic because you, you take severe in pride. You take severe pride in understanding that you're the daughter of immigrants and having that work ethic. But you also mentioned being bullied while you were growing up. And I had Charlemagne on the God, Charlemagne the God on the show. And Ada and I even talked about this. What has that life balance been like for you? And I like to encourage young people that listen to this show that have to deal with those circumstances on a day-to-day basis. How did you overcome being bullied? and the turbulence that you had to endure as a young person to now being an adult? Um, well, like you said, I had immigrant parents, and one thing my mother told me, she said, I did not come to this country for you to make friends. Now, I don't know if that was the best advice, <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely like put some yeah. things in focus. She was like, listen, mm-hmm. we got time yeah. to fool with these. We got time mm-hmm. to fool with these fools. Mm-hmm. You, I, I, we have a visa, <laughs> we, you know, until you get to be a naturalized citizen, you just better be on the straight and narrow. We, it's not a competition for us. Just get to college. And I remember, I think I was probably in eighth grade and I was going to the store with my mom and I saw a poster that said, I hope my enemies live long to see what I become in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think that became my my vow, right? Whether it was right or wrong for a 12 year old to be mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm a win with my life. Cause that's basically mm-hmm. what I said. I'm correct, saying, correct. y'all can bully me now, but I'm a win with my life. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of made that my mission and it sustained me. You know, we all cope in different ways. Like whenever mm-hmm. you have a, a level of trauma, you, your body, your mind, everything goes into overdrive to like, okay, alert, alert, system overload, system mm-hmm. overload. And it's just like, we will protect you this way. So for me, it was like, I'm gonna go hard in the paint with mm-hmm. everything I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be the greatest. I'm gonna be the best. Mm-hmm. Y'all gonna yes, see. Yes. And it worked. Mm-hmm. I am currently now in therapy to undo all of that <laughs> because mm-hmm. it, it's not it's not sustainable, right? right it's for right. a season. And then when you're able to know more, like it's like I I got the success. I got the house in the hills. I got mm-hmm. the car. I have everything. I'm mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, hey, we have to we have to unlearn certain things because we don't need. We don't need that anymore. And also, like, I don't even know if those hoes are still watching my life to see if I succeeded or not. So it's like they can't be, you know, they can't be my driving force. It's like now it's just like I got to succeed because it's what God wants for me. And for you, you clearly know how to rebound because, as you mentioned, you got a couple of HBO shows. You got a couple of HBO specials. And only greats get those. You open up for Chris Rock at MSG. What was that like? I was phenomenal. It was MSG and Barclays. So, so mm, 16,000 people coming to see him in his home. And I'm there 
giving him the first 20 minutes. And it was just like, it was an out-of-body experience. And I think God was preparing me for what was to come in my own life. Because it was like, this is amazing. And God was like, you got next. And I was like, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do. <laughs> That's what's up. And, and like an artist or an athlete, we get a chance to go to Barclays or MSG to see you at your glory performing, doing amazing in front of 16,000. But for people who possibly want to do what you do for a living, like stand-up comedy, what goes into that preparation for that show? Man, uh, for that show, for my special, it was it was a lot. You know, when I when I shot my comedy special, I did a twelve city tour before we ever even mm. press record. So mm. it was like every night. You know, different audiences, different parts of the country trying to figure, like, finessing the joke. Like, okay, well, that worked. Okay, I think I started losing them around this. How do I fix this? Every night. Now, these are, mm-hmm. these are, this are material that I've had for years. But mm-hmm. before you shoot, you're working it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I wanted to, you know, go to Nigeria and have an element of home in my special. And so then mm-hmm. it's like, now you're, you're, you're playing, like, director executive producer talent you know you're mm-hmm. you're doing all the things you're running the ship a little mm-hmm. bit and then you get to uh shoot i i remember we we shot two episodes we shot two um two same night but two um what do you call it i'm trying to, i'm losing my words here Jalen. Um, no worries we shot the special twice basically on the mm-hmm. same night mm-hmm. different audience and i'll never forget i went out for like the eight o'clock show and I remember like just, I don't know if I was phoning in it, but it was an out of body experience. So it was like my mouth was talking, but I wasn't connected. Mm-hmm. I was just, mm-hmm. I was, cause it was, this is my first HBO special. There's 18 cameras. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. It's so much going yeah, it's on. It's overwhelming. That's overwhelming. And then you're like, am I, okay, so if I want to, you know, hit the drop, do I look to this camera? Like, cause I'm already editing. My mind, like, mm-hmm. it's just like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not just doing comedy. And so I remember <laughs> after the eight o'clock show, I walked off stage and I was so mad. I was like, that sucked. Like, that's not, no. It's like it's like going into the locker room at the halftime and you down 20. You're yes, like, this yes. is not how the, the game is going to end. The correct, be, correct. no. And, you know, and I love my manager who had just signed with me at that time. He was like, you nervous? I was like, man, you could tell. He was like, listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, you got it. Now go get it. And I was like, all right. And so I, the second show, I was like, listen, ho, you only got, this is the last, everybody, they break it down after this. <laughs> okay. There's no more options. If either you go, you going to make this thing sing or everybody going to go home and be like, well, that was a bust. Like go out. And so I just decided to have fun. I was like, you know what? These people came to see you. Mm-hmm. They they believe you're funny. They may not even know you're funny. Just go out there and give them more than they ever expected. And at the same time, if you're having fun, they're having fun. I think I was just in my head of just like, well, you know, people don't even know me as a comedian. And, you know, and it's just the, the, the psyche of I got I to gotta make this the best. And it's like nobody asked you to make the best, make mm-hmm, it the best. Mm-hmm. They just actually make it good. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. these people who have spent lots of money to be here, uh, believe that you can be good. Mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. know what? Even if you're not good, there's a lot of people who are not good that get second specials. Mm-hmm, or, you mm-hmm. know, they get second season contracts. I get, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of yes, people like, yes. like, they in the league? 
<laughs> right. Like they still in the league. <laughs> I guess that's a eight man award or whatever, but cool. Got it. So anyway, you know, after I, after I made that vow, I did my second show and I just felt like I got off the stage. I was like, that's my special. Mm-hmm. And I was hyped. I was like, DMX going to come on. And I'm like, get at me, dog. Like, that's I was down, like, that's bro. my special. And sure enough, like, I just felt really good about it. It, was, it felt special to me. And, you know, it ended up being great. That's awesome. And that transition into doing stand-up was a pivot in theory because... You were doing such a great job in acting. Well, so actually, you did stand up before. You did stand up first. Yeah. Before you got into the acting. So, what was the audition process? So, you were already doing a stand up comedian. So, what was it like? What was the audition process like for Insecure? And do you remember the moment you received the call that you got the role of Molly? I do, I do, I do. So it was it was a very strenuous audition process. Um, you know, Issa had actually seen me doing stand. She actually saw me doing hosting. So mm-hmm. I did stand up. I did hosting. I hosted weddings. Mm-hmm. I hosted funerals. I hosted anything with a mic. I was like, dearly departed. I mean, we are here. <laughs> he lived a good life. You know, let me make y'all laugh for 30 minutes. I don't know. Like I was just anything that had a mic, I hosted. And so Issa actually saw me hosting a fashion show. And then she came out to see me do comedy and was just like, yo, that girl's funny. But this is like years before Insecure. Mm -hmm. So we kind of had a black girl in LA trying to make it, you know, vibe about us. And so it was just like, we respected each other. And um, I didn't have an agent or a manager. And I just remembered wanting so bad to transition from stand up to acting because I'd seen the greats do it. I saw Kev do it. I saw, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. Rock do it. I, you know, everybody. Um, Eddie did it. So it was just like, well, this just makes sense. You start right, doing comedy right. and then you, you hang up the mic and then you go do acting. Boom. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> I remember I was selling my, I was trying to sell my own show at the time that Insecure, like, it was announced that it was, that they were casting. And so I kind of was just like, oh, okay, I didn't have an agent, I didn't have a man, I didn't have anybody to, like, submit me for it. A friend of my, a friend of mine who I had actually lived with in New York, she became a casting director during the time that I had been in L.A. And she was like, girl, you auditioned for this? And I was like, oh, this is happening. And she was like, yes, find somebody to submit you. And then I was like, well, who? And then I, I had another friend who worked for a management company and I was just like, Hey, you, you think you can submit me for this? And basically the arrangement was if I, if I make it on the show, I give, I give them a cut, but they, they weren't really representing me. Right. They, they call it hip pocketing. It's like, well, we don't represent you if you don't, if you don't work, but if you do work, we get 10%. Um, and that's how I got submitted. It was five auditions, every single one. You got to understand Jalen. I didn't have, really credits i had like one mm-hmm. acting credit and this is for the number two on a premium like hbo premium show exactly so it's a lot of actor actresses that have resumes out the wazoo mm-hmm. they're killing it and i'm just like mm, okay well you know i'm just gonna rest in the fact that <laughs> <laughs> i am yvonne orgy and that is enough mm-hmm. whatever that means for this role and it's funny because um prentice penny our showrunner he found his notes from my very first audition with him. And he said, she, she talks with her hands a lot, but there was something there. 
You know, and sometimes all you need is a, there's something there. How yeah, many, yeah. you know, uh, he's not the tallest kid, but there's something there. Mm-hmm. She's not the smartest, but there's something there. Like, all you need is a, there's something there. Correct. Correct. And uh, what they ended up saying was that, you know, I was not their first choice um, going into the auditions. But every time that I auditioned of five times, I kept getting better ah, because ah, ah, ah. behind the scenes, I was taking, I was doing, um, I was, I was, it was choosing between paying my cell phone bill or getting a private tutor for an hour. And I was like, mm. well, listen, I'm going to have to, they going to have to, you know, notify me by email if I get it. Cause my cell phone going to be cut off. You know what I mean? Like, I, because I'm taking this acting class. And so it was just all the little things I was doing to give myself a fighting chance. And so they noticed it. So they were like, the girl we liked, she stayed the same the whole, the whole like two months of the process. And they were like, each time you came, you kept giving us something different. You kept mm-hmm. adding to it. You kept becoming the character. Mm-hmm. And then he said, if she's doing this without any direction, imagine what she could do when we give her like what we actually want for her to work with. And that's really what made the, 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 the decision. Well, your work ethic is incredible. And the things that you sacrificed even paying your phone bill, right? So you can take those classes. You made it a priority. And it paid off because we really loved Insecure. So how did it go from being unrecognized all of a sudden to being embraced by people who love the show, especially black fans? Uh, well, I mean, well, Issa was, has always been a, a darling, right? You know, in terms of Aqua Black Girl, she brought her fans that loved her from that. And then, you know, because it's on HBO, brings viewers who are just like looking for stuff like, okay, well, what is this show? Because if it's on HBO, it's, it's got to have a certain cachet, right? HBO is no not just green lighting stuff. Mm-hmm. So it found new viewers. And then as it grew, it, it became a cultural phenomenon, right? It, it became... Uh, appointment TV, you know, right now everything is kind of streamed in that like you can want, you can binge something. We were like, well, you're not binging us. You coming back every Sunday at eight right, o'clock, right. you know, 10 o'clock. We'll see you on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And so it became appointment TV in the way that we used to watch TV in the past. Mm-hmm. And so I think as the fan, as the, as the social kind of currency of the show grew, it became more than just a show. You know, I think Issa very, very much stayed true to her desire to be like, I'm, I'm repping South LA. I'm repping music from, you know, established artists and new artists. And so it's like, then the soundtrack became a thing. Then the characters Mm -hmm. became a thing. Then, you know, it's like blackness on TV, you know, Mm -hmm. lit in a certain way became a thing. So I think it changed the landscape of TV if people will really like acknowledge it in a certain way, but for certain what is possible for black shows. And shout out to the queen Issa, by the way, out here changing the game. We appreciate you. And lastly, but certainly not least, you're currently the host, as we talked about, of a new HBO Max reality series, My Mom, Your Dad. What interested you about this project and what can viewers expect to see? Yes. So I, you know, like I said, I was hosting before I did uh, acting. And so it's kind of cool to go back to the hosting um, 
part of my life because I think everything you do in life is preparation. Like God doesn't mm-hmm. waste any of the gifts. You'd be like, mm-hmm. I used to help my mom in the kitchen. How did I never knew I would be a chef? Like, fam, like it's just <laughs> right. you know, it's yeah. just a natural transition. And and for me, I love you know even now like the thing that used to scare me most about comedy was. Um, just like riffing with the audience because that was all unscripted. That was not, that was not part of my set. I would come in, I'd be like, oh yeah, y'all together? Oh, you not? Are you just friends? How long you been in love with them? And it's just like, and then immediately the crowd is like, uh-uh, no, 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 don't say that. And so then it's like, you know, you're able to just kind of get people relaxed, opened up and 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 like consider you a friend really. And so I, I enjoyed that part of stand-up. And so naturally that translates to hosting. And so uh, when I was approached by, um, so Greg Daniels and his daughter Haley, they created the show. And so Greg is, is known for creating, you know, Parks and Recreation, The American Office, et cetera. And they, they wanted to do a dating show that focused on family, that had heart and humor. For me, I'm like, you said the magic words. Those are like my two things that I look for in a lot of projects. Like, can I, can I, can I watch this with my whole family? Um, you know, does it, does it make me cry and laugh? Like, you know, like I just, I love wholesome. Like, I think, I think so many people in the industry are like, how can it be more gritty? I'm like, everything don't need to be gritty. Like, it's, right. and I think in the pandemic too, people realize like, yo, there's only but like three shows we can watch with our families. So I guess we're going to mm-hmm. do Encanto for the ninth night. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like how many times yeah. you been watching Encanto? And it's just like, <laughs> it's a great, it's a great movie, but my God. Right. And you know, so when I, when the concept of like these single parents are getting hooked up by their, you know, college age kids to find a second chance at love. Oh, I was like, sign me up. That already, the premise already. And it's also, you know, the thing that differentiates this is you don't really see a lot of reality TV with um, people over 40, right? You don't, mm-hmm. unless it's like yeah, the biggest loser point. or anything like that. When, when yeah. it comes to like love, you don't see this demographic represented. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's a show that doesn't really have a lot of drama. It, it, got, it got one son that's a hater. It, it do. It got one <laughs> son that's a huge hater. And I'd be like, come on, fam. Uh, let, you, let your mom live. Um, but it doesn't have a lot of drama. It's not, it's not salacious. It's really just good fun. Kind of cringy because there's some moments where the kids are like, I don't want to see this. I'm good on, I don't want, mm -mm, I don't want to see this. But all in all, it really is just wholesome TV. And I, I love that about it. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that, this is the only kind of reality show that I could host. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely look forward to checking out your stand up. I'm a huge fan, and I'm going to write a column as well about this interview. But before I let you get out of here, I have a rapid-fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Okay, well, I mean, what are the rules? You- rapid-fire, quick answer, quick answer. Gone in 60 seconds. Okay. Name one Nigerian dish you think everyone should try. Oh, jollof rice. Name one thing you missed the most about being on the Insecure set. Oh, the cast. In your opinion, who's the greatest stand-up comedian of all time? Don't do this to me. <laughs> yeah, those couples were softballs. Now you got to think about no, it. No, nah, I'm, I'm not doing that. The greatest yeah, of all time. I named bro. a couple of them then. There's a, there's a whole rack of them. Don't do this to me. Mm-mm. I know, yeah, you're going to get in trouble. All right, I ain't going to make you. All right, so how about this? Name me one of your favorite stand-up specials to watch on repeat. 
Uh, okay, that is that. that <laughs> there we go. That's better. Um, ooh, Chris Rock, bigger and blacker. Mm-hmm. Classic. So much of a classic. If you could cast, if you could join the cast of any reality TV show, which one would you choose? Mm. Of any reality TV show? Um, bye bye, black sheep. Have you any wool? <sighs> Jalen, yeah, you got me singing nursery rhymes now. Uh, of any reality show. Oh, you know what? I would do American Idol if I could sing because I would, I would hope that I could, I can't sing, but I would do American Idol because in my mind, I'm like, for a moment like this, some people, I, I can't do it, but. Well, I definitely appreciate you joining me. Thank you very much for taking the time. It's been an honor to meet you and looking forward to supporting all of the projects that you got going on. I appreciate you, Jalen. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Last call. Last call. I'd truly like to thank Yvonne Orgy for stopping by the podcast. Be sure to check out our new show, My Mom, Your Dad on HBO Max. Her career trajectory is insane. To go from a grad school degree to performing at MSG to having a hit HBO show, that's truly incredible. But one thing that stuck out to me is hearing how she pursued things with zero expectations of where they were gonna go and how it was gonna lead to her being in places she couldn't even imagine. She met Issa Rae at a regular hosting gig and made a big enough impression to be brought into an audition for Insecure without having any representation. That's a prime example of doing the work, being gracious, having faith, and making an effort to have a positive impact on everyone you encounter. You'd be surprised by the wins you set up for yourself in the future by showing up, working hard, and being positive today. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.